again. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So they were even carried out, they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Lord God, we thank you for this time. Thank you for bringing us together in community, and we give this time again to you. Lord, I pray that you'd mark our hearts this morning, God, as Justin preaches, Lord, that you'd speak directly to us, God. Make it, make it right, Lord. I pray that we would just subject ourselves to your word this morning, and you'd speak truth into us, Lord. Change us this morning, Lord. I pray that you'd anoint Justin to speak in love and in power. And uh, Jesus, may we meet you afresh this morning through your word. You are the living word. Uh, as we pray for another church in the city every week, Lord, we pray for Hope City, God. We thank you for them. Thank you for all the work that you're doing in them and through them, God. We pray for Pastor Jeremy, the other leadership there, God, and everybody who attends, Lord, that you would mark them as your people and that you'd send them in power to every place they go. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hmm. Thanks, Nathaniel. And thanks, Ray and band. That's a sweet time of worshiping with you guys. How sweet are your words, O Lord, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I agree with Nathaniel. Lord, come and speak through me. Uh, Let me be a a leaky clay pot. Fill me with your spirit again, and let me just drip all over the place. Would you all just pray real quick? Lord, give me an anointing to speak, and y'all an anointing to hear, ears to hear. I'll give you a second to do that. I just want to get out of the way. Lord, do your thing in Jesus' name. All right. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Uh, Bless you. Today we are continuing our march through the book of Acts. And last week, Taylor did such a good job at a synagogue. How sweet is it that we have relationships with (laughs) the rabbi that's like, oh, yeah, come, come meet in our synagogue, like the whole time. I was just worshiping because of that. Um, The Lord is opening doors for us and for the gospel. And so, yeah, I just, please continue to be in prayer for that rabbi and that congregation. I would love for the spirit to fall among them and for that to turn into a messianic congregation. (laughs) It was really funny. Um, We were, you know, preparing to like do a couple songs and the rabbi came up and I was like, hey, thank you so much. It was rabbi and one of the other guys that worked there. I was like, thank you so much for letting us use your facilities. And he, the rabbi and I are pretty close friends and so he was kind of poking me. He's like, no problem, anytime. If you, you guys can use the, the building anytime as long as you don't mention the name of Jesus. And I was like, oh, well, that's gonna be kind of hard because that's pretty much all we talk about. If we can't talk about Jesus, We don't really have much to say. And then I was like, oh, you know what? Here's what we'll do. We'll only use the Hebrew scriptures. And every time we mention the Messiah, we'll just go, but we won't use his name. (laughs) 
And he was like, touche. <clears throat> so uh, in, in the last week's text, we see uh, Ananias and Sapphira, uh, this couple that the Lord is just really angry at their hypocrisy. So Taylor preached a, a great sermon on uh, hypocrisy, and they lied to the Lord and then just dropped dead where they stood. And this is even in the New Testament. And so uh, t- I just love how Taylor said, hey, we see God being fierce and extreme because he hates sin and we should be terrified. We can't make ourselves clean. He's, he's not just going to forget it without a payment. So, and then the same rabbi and I, a few weeks ago, uh, there was a guy sitting at our table and said, we have to pay for our own sins. And I said, man, that's, that's terrible. In the Old Testament, and I looked at the rabbi, I'm like, tell me if this is right. In the Old Testament, there, for, there would be a sin offering where the priest would take a spotless lamb and touch the spotless lamb and say, let our sins be on the spotless lamb, and then they would kill the lamb, uh, which is what all the sacrifices are about. Um, making the dirty clean by transferring our filth to the innocent. That's always been the, the way it's worked. Sorry, that's not in my notes. I just, I'm getting excited. Uh, that, is, that is what Jesus is about. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I got four verses to, to teach on today. And so obviously I'm going to go heavy on the application. That's kind of my thing. Uh, I don't want to give you a lot of information and then you be uh, judged for having more information that you've been disobedient to. So what I want to do is break it down really simple, make it, make it small, gentle steps of obedience because we are going to be stretched today. I have some, uh, some challenges for you. Get ready. I think, it's, I think you'll enjoy it, though. Uh, real quick, Mehdi, how's your tooth? Still? Okay. I missed uh, part of John's testimony because uh, Mehdi had a swollen bit here, and he was like, uh, I said, how are you doing? He's like, okay. And so I prayed for him, and the pain went down. Like, it, it started at a four, and then it was a three, then it was a two, then a one. But uh, So we're going to talk about that a little bit more. but I want you to grow in obedience. If we're not growing as a family, if we're not growing in obedience, what are we doing here? I don't want to just play church. That would be miserable to me. I would hate that. I don't want to just go get my Sunday morning checklist. Uh, I've done my, my spiritual duty. I want us to be growing tighter as a family, closer to Jesus, getting more of him, being filled with more of him, getting more hungry for more of him, and bringing others into that fold. So these are, it's a bunch of challenges. Um, But first, let's fight. Uh, This is a descriptive text that we just read. And there's a lot of faithful believers that would say that it's only a descriptive text. Now, Descriptive versus prescriptive. Descriptive says this is what happened at a certain time and place. Prescriptive is this is for you. This is for you to do and expect and live into. So there are faithful people that love God that say it's only a descriptive text and not prescriptive. And they would say things like, this doesn't happen anymore. Uh, This is not something we should apply to our own context. 
And especially with this text, they would say, look, this is only the apostles that are doing signs and wonders. We're off the hook. A lot of people argue things that make them able to say we're off the hook. Well, I'm arguing that we are still on the hook for signs and wonders. Uh, And I would say that their argument is pretty weak sauce. Um, (laughs) So yes, in this text... Uh, it does say the apostles were doing miracles. But just a quick flyover the next few chapters of Acts. Uh, in Acts 6, verse 8, Stephen, he's not an apostle. Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing signs and, great signs and wonders among the peoples. Uh, Acts 8, 6, Philip, also not an apostle. It says, And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So that's the second one, not an apostle. Ananias, a different Ananias than the one that dropped dead. Uh, Ananias, also not an apostle, got a very disconcerting dream where Jesus told him, Hey, go to the terrorist, Saul, who's breathing threats and murders against the church. I have uh, for you to heal him. Ananias is like, uh he's a bad guy. Are you sure you want me to do that? And God's like, yes, do it. So Acts 9, 17 through 19, it says, Ananias laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. All of those guys not apostles. So it's for us as well. Uh, if you've been here at this church for any length of time, you will know that we don't teach that the signs and wonders have stopped. Um, there's not really a good argument from Scripture to say that they would have. And church history slams that argument to pieces. If you would like more information, I'm, I'm not going to preach that sermon on church history, but I would love to give you some, some resources. So come up afterwards, and I'll give you some resources. There are guys who've, who've written lot, lots on that. Um, so signs and wonders are not just for the super Christians. Everyone gets to play. That's my first point, is that signs and wonders are not just for the elite. So we don't teach that signs and wonders have stopped, but do we really live like we believe that? Because I got to confess, I mean, Mehdi just got healed, but I still feel like I'm living in major lack. I want more. I want, <laughs> I want to be walking through H-E-B and like, boom, boom, boom. You know, it's just letting the love of the Lord flow through me and just spilling out all over the place. I want to be in a place where there's dreams and miracles and words of knowledge and healing regularly. I mean, that's in the text. These things were happening regularly. I'm not regular. I want to be more regular. I need like a faith fiber or something. I know, sorry. Um, So I pray over my boys every night when I put them to bed. And some of the things, sometimes I pray, Lord, give Josiah one healing this week. Give Sammy one healing this week. Give Levi one healing this week, but give me three healings. And the boys are like, no, I want three healings. I want 500. Sam's like, I want 100 billion healings. 
I'm like, wow, let's get it, Sam. Um, so for them, I want to develop this atmosphere of faith, but it's kind of ridiculous because my boys often have more faith than I do. Uh, maybe all kids do, I I'm not sure. When Josiah was really little, we were in Walmart and he made me stop and pray for this guy on crutches. Like, you know, we, Lord, give us healings. Let me pray for healing for people. And we see a guy on crutches and Josiah's like, dad, go, go get him. I'm like, no, I don't speak Spanish. I don't think he speaks English and that's kind of weird. And Josiah's like, dad, let's go. I'm like, oh, fine. So I go up and I'm like, hey, sorry. What happened to your foot? Oh, you ran over. Oh my gosh. Can we pray for you? Sure. Okay. Do that. Takes 10 seconds. I'm like, thanks for your time. See you later. And we're walking off and Josiah's like, dad, why didn't you ask him to try it out? (sighs) Well, son, because you have more faith than me, you stinker. (sighs) But that's what he said. He said, dad, you didn't even ask. You didn't even ask. So how do I get from where I am struggling? I want to I wanna just jump in. I, wanna, I want this every day. How do we get from where we are chickening out at Walmart to being a place where we're seeing signs and wonders done regularly? And what am I doing wrong? And why am I even asking this question? Um, if you read scripture and you see a difference in what's written and what is in your life, what's in your experience... Most people will say, oh, we got to reinterpret scripture. (laughs) Surely it doesn't mean like this is uh, normal or expected. Uh, Surely, like you got to do a bunch of mental gymnastics to say that you're off the hook. The better hermeneutic, the better way to read scripture is, oh, here's what scripture says. Here's my experience. The better way is, what needs to change my experience? Not how can I make it say something that makes me comfortable? In the New Testament, James, the book of James says, you don't have because you don't ask. If you're taking notes, that's probably a good thing to write down. You don't have because you don't ask. Josiah said, Dad, you didn't even ask. Uh, I, so John, the, the pain in his hand, um, I don't know if you called it this, but like a word of knowledge. Like the Lord giving you something for someone else. Hey, I have something for you. I want you to go do this. I've, I've had a couple experiences like that. And sometimes it's just like you notice it and you're like, oh, God's doing something. And other times you have to ask. For me, I was, I remember I was preaching a sermon at Houston's First in one of their, their breakout things. There's about 60 people in the room and in my prep I felt the Lord told, told me to say something. And I was like, ooh, I don't really want to say this, Lord. It's kind of awkward. <clears throat> and so it, if, I, if I didn't ask, I wouldn't get it. And if I didn't take the risk, like John, it was a small risk for him to say that. There's five people. Does someone have pain right here? Like that's a small risk, especially with like there's believers, you know. They're not going to be like, you crazy. Well, they might. You crazy. Yeah, no, it's, it is. So to access this stuff, you really have to take a risk. So I remember this time where I'm preaching at Houston's First, and I felt like the Lord gave me a word for someone who had just a covering of shame because when she was younger, she had an abortion. 
And I was like, I don't want to say that, Lord. Please don't make me say it. <clears throat> I felt like I had to say it. So I finished my sermon, and I was like, hey, uh, as I was prepping this sermon, I felt like, and this was a totally, like, non sequitur. <laughs> like, as a wrap-up, before we pray, Jesus said if you had an abortion 20 years ago, he can still forgive you. The blood of Abel cries out from the ground in Hebrews 11, but the blood of Jesus speaks a new and better word over you. And then this lady in the back just burst into tears. I was like, thanks, Lord. It took a risk. That was uncomfortable. If we want this stuff, we're going to have to be willing to be made uncomfortable. Is anyone willing to be made uncomfortable? I'm going to ask again in a minute. <clears throat> I also love John's reaction uh, when he's like, oh, wait, that was the Lord? Oh, my gosh, he did a thing? She got healed. <laughs> like, surprised and, like, honored and still kind of embarrassed, but with joy. There's not a lot of scriptures that talk about uh, God doing something crazy. And then the the people that he used. It doesn't say a lot about their reactions, but there is one place in Luke 10. Uh, so you don't have to turn there. I'll just tell you the story. In Luke 10, Jesus sends out the 72. And this is right after he sends out the 12. So in Luke 9, he sends out the 12. And then in Luke 10, he sends out the 72. And he says, uh, go to every town and place where I'm going to go, Heal the sick in it and say to them, heal the sick, cast out demons, and say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And so then eight verses later, the 72 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Just imagine, like you can close your eyes for a second and just imagine what it would be like. You're not one of the 12 not, You're not the, the superhero dudes that have been right behind Jesus this whole time. You're one of the 72. And Jesus is like, okay, go to a bunch of towns, do a bunch of miracles, cast out demons, heal the sick, tell them the kingdom has come to you. Like, what were they thinking? I see these guys like, what are we, you know, they're, they're going to the towns where Jesus is gonna go. And they're like, what are we gonna, and Jesus is like, go get in groups of two. So they're like, ooh, I want Matthias on my team. He's bold. Oh, dang it. Uh, you know, Legolas got him. I don't want, Sorry, not Legolas. They're like looking for the, oh, he's got a lot of faith. I want his, him to be my partner. Oh man, I got stuck with Jack or Justin. Uh, so then they go and then they have these crazy encounters where people are getting healed. People are getting set free from the demonic. And they're like, okay, well, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now let me pause real quick. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. The disciples, disciples were told to tell about the kingdom. Jesus taught so much about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, when, when the Bible says the gospel of the kingdom, what that means is there is a gospel that means, hey, the good news, you were a rebel against God but someone has come and opened the door and you can come back into the kingdom that you were a rebel from. You, you threw away the keys to the kingdom, you ran away, you spit on the king, but he has come to open the way back. You can come back in, you can be the servant to the king again 
And then one day he will say, I no longer call you slaves. Now I call you friends. Enter into the joy of your master. So this is what these, these people are, boom, healed. Boom, set free from the demonic. Guess what? The king is coming and you can join him. That was for free. <clears throat> so, the, so they're coming back and they're like skipping and dancing and jumping and they're like, even the demons are subject to us in your name. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> and Jesus says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So maybe that's why my sons are, are more bold than me or have more faith. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. And this is, our text, there's a hundred different ways that this is saying, our text today is like Luke 10 continued. All of the gospels continued. They're, even after Jesus' death and resurrection, then he says, go and do the same. Get out of here. Keep doing everything I've told you. Teach everyone. Hmm. And folks are being added day by day. Uh, I grew up Baptist, so the, and I even went to a Baptist college. And so the, uh, the demons being subject into, in your name, not a common teaching in my experience in the Baptist church. They never had a class on on healing or deliverance at HBU. Uh, but one of my dear, dear friends, I've known this guy, loved this guy for 10 years. He's from Pakistan. And he's had a recurring dream of Jesus coming to judge the world. So there's that. And uh, the first time he told the dream, I was like, there's water here. <laughs> I will happily baptize you right now. And uh, he wasn't ready. But one night probably eight or nine o'clock, I get a call from him and he said, Justin, can you come to my house? And I'm like, sure, what, what's up? It's kind of late. And he said, well, my wife is seeing demons. I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, no problem. I'll head right over. Uh, so I'm driving to his place and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Jesus, would you help me out here? Because this wasn't in the, the syllabus. And actually it was in this syllabus, but not the HBU one. So I show up, and on the way, I was like, what, what do I even do? Oh, you know what? The demoniac of the Gerasenes. So there's this story where there's this guy that's super demonized. Jesus shows up, and they, the, the guy with the demon falls at his feet, like face down. Jesus, you know, are, are you coming to throw us into the abyss before the appointed hour? And Jesus is like, no. They're like, please cast us into the pigs. And Jesus says, go. And so this Pakistani couple, I, I go and I, we have them read that story. And so they read it in Urdu and then they 
talk about it and then translate it to me. I'm like, yeah, that's accurate. They get to the part where the demoniac is clearly terrified of Jesus. And they say, Jesus is not afraid of the demons. The demons are afraid of Jesus. And I'm like, yep, that's accurate. You're reading it correctly. And then, have you ever uh, accidentally said something and you didn't mean to say it? It just like spilled out? Uh, A lot of times I do that and it's bad. Sometimes I do it and it's good. And this time I did it and it was good. And I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell the demons to leave and they're going to leave. Can I do that? (laughs) I'm going to do that. And they're like, okay, okay. So I prayed and kicked the demons out. And in Jesus' name, amen. And I was like, do you see it anymore? They're like, no. I'm like, okay, well, call me if you see it again. And so I left. And about a month later, they called me and they said, hey, Justin, thanks so much for coming over. Uh, we haven't seen it again. They described it to me. I won't describe it. It's kind of creepy. Uh, we haven't seen it since, but other people in our complex are saying that they're seeing the same thing. And I'm like, bro, give them my number. (laughs) I'll hose everything down. This is the same couple that uh, I remember. I took two of my guys. Like, we're so close. We have good, long arguments into the evening. I know that they love me. They know that I love them. So we were hanging out in a group one night and kind of sharing truth and sharing the gospel with uh, my friend. And in the middle of sharing, he gets this terrible pain in his head. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. That could be demonic. That could be like some kind of uh, a spirit of distraction or something, whatever. All right, let's pray for him. Pain be gone in Jesus' name. Amen. He's like, Oh, thank you so much. That was so bad. I'm like, oh, it's gone. Cool. Let's get back into it. So we keep sharing gospel with him. And then 10 seconds later, oh my gosh, there's a terrible pain in my leg. So we pray for his leg. And five minutes later, okay, it's good. So we keep sharing. Oh my gosh, there's a pain in my back. We chased pain around his body for 30 or 40 minutes. Isn't that crazy? I'm a Baptist boy. That's crazy. And yes, I'm sharing my stories because I was there, but please don't think I'm anything special. I'm I'm nothing special. You and I are the same. We have the same spirit. We have the same Jesus. Okay. Hmm. There is one thing that's necessary to be able to walk in these signs and gifts, signs and wonders, and that's faith. On a scale of one to 10, one is you're scared to get out of bed in the morning and 10 is you're ready to call down fire from heaven when someone cuts you off in traffic. What's your level of faith? What's your measure of faith? First Corinthians uh, 12, nine says that God has given each of us a measure of faith. And faith is a gift from God so that none may boast. But I would like to argue or put forward that you're allowed to ask for more. You can ask for more faith. In fact, I think you should ask for more faith. 
Would anyone like some more faith? Raise your hand if you'd like more faith. Yeah, all the way up there. I mean, I'm going to tell you that we have to go meet people and talk to people we don't know. You can raise your hand all the way. Yeah, let's do it. If you want more faith, raise your hand. If you want more faith, stand up, please. Okay, thank you, thank you. Have a seat. Let me pray over you. (laughs) Now we're gonna do squat jumps. Let me pray for us right now. Spirit, would you fall on these people, on these hungry people? I pray that you would fill them with such an abundance of faith in you that they spill out every time they're bumped. I pray that you would inject faith in us, Lord, that we would be fearless, that we would stop being so proud that we'd be willing to look like fools for the gospel, for the kingdom, for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want more faith. How bad do you want it? You want it real bad? I do. Are you willing to take the risks of looking like a fool? You're not gonna have these encounters uh, if you're not willing to take the risk. Sorry. I wish it weren't that way. Kids are good at this because they're humble. I think faith is a muscle that you flex and grow into. And so you start with these little things like, hey, there's a pain. Who has a pain here? Like that stuff. And then grow into it where one day you, you might even have the boldness to say to someone who's begging, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Can you imagine doing that? Not yet. Give some time. So how do we access the faith that he has already given us? I'm afraid it's risk. So let's imagine that tomorrow at lunch, there's a guy that comes in on crutches, sits at the table next to you, and you feel the Holy Spirit give you that nudge. Ask if you can pray for him. You're like, yeah, I'll pray for him, you know, just right here as I don't speak to him. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, talk to him. Ask if you can pray for him. And then you hear your flesh say, don't you dare do that. You're a weirdo. He's gonna reject you. He's not gonna be healed. You're out of line to even ask. You've heard that before, right? It's not just me. I've heard it a hundred times. And then you hear another voice, the accuser. Yeah, you didn't even read your Bible this morning and you had those evil thoughts last night and you're fat. Don't even think about it. Not all your thoughts are your own, people. This month, uh, I taught a nine-year-old boy uh, how to discern between the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. And... (laughs) Like a day or two later, his mom called me, kind of freaking out, because he was sitting in a chair, obviously dealing with something, something, and he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then he got up and went and talked to his mom. I'm going to do the opposite. He told her that the enemy was tempting him to do something self-destructive. 
And he's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the opposite. He's nine. If you hear a voice in your head telling you, don't you share the gospel? You tell it you're going to do the opposite. And then do the opposite. Can we decide to do the same as this nine-year-old kid? He's young and he's got it. And guess what? There may be no thing more destructive than keeping the gospel to yourself. There may be no thing more destructive than keeping the gospel to yourself. Oh, you want me to keep silent? You want me to chicken out? Guess what? I got maybe 70 years to make a difference for my king. And yeah, this is awkward, but today's a great day for a miracle. So the thing about faith is it always takes risk. There's always tension, whether it's internal or external. Most of mine is internal. It doesn't make it to external because I chicken out a lot. Either I'm doubting that I'm hearing from the Lord. Maybe I just made that up. Or I'm going to get weird looks. Be on the, you know, squatting down on the ground, praying for a guy in a cast, thinking everyone is looking at me like a crazy man. Until the guy gets healed. And then everyone's like, hey, uh, what, what just happened here? You got to press through. And I don't think that the apostles just started on day one with all this craziness where people are like running to him and trying to get in their shadow. They had three years of watching Jesus do these things. So I have a challenge for you, each of you, and I will ask you next week, because I'm in charge of the liturgy. Uh, here's your challenge. I want you to make a risk quota. What's that? I want you to take one kingdom risk per week. Can you do that? What am I talking about kingdom risk? Uh, well, in your time with the Lord, hey, or let's say you're going into a, a restaurant, and you're like, Lord, you got anyone in here I can pray for? You got anyone I can share with? You got anyone I can, you got a word of knowledge for me? Now, that's a scary one. That always makes me sweat a little. Who, who in here is willing to, to make a risk quota? Okay. Keep, keep them up, keep them up. Okay, thanks. I know it's hard, guys. It's not comfortable. And it kills your flesh every single time you do this, every single step of obedience. It is a death to yourself. And it's uncomfortable. But people are going to hell. It's worth your second of discomfort. It's worth your second or two or ten of discomfort. Let's look back at Acts 5 for a second. Verse 14 says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. There was such a stir that people are coming from neighboring towns to get this touch from the Lord. 
They're, they're bringing people out, the sick on mass, just so they'll get in, in Peter's shadow. And Peter was not that great of a dude. <laughs> he messed up a bunch. He, Jesus rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan. He chopped off a guy's ear as Jesus is choosing to go to the cross. He denied Jesus three times. And, and now people are running to get in his shadow. So I I don't care for us to be a powerless church that makes little to no impact on the kingdom. And I'm afraid that he is calling us to new levels of obedience, new levels of risk and new levels of faith. But let me pause, let's pivot here for a second because I don't want you to hear me dogging on people that struggle with doubt. (laughs) I hope that I've shown you that I've struggled with doubt a lot in these things. So I'm not dogging on, on doubt but the enemy will, will try to accuse you even if you are struggling with, that, with doubt. I will not accuse you for struggling with doubt. There is a verse that says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus doesn't rebuke the guy. Like, how sweet is that? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So if you're there, you can, you can pray that one fast. You can pray that a lot. Uh, if, if the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, you're like, no, 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 please, no. And he tells you, you better do it. You're like, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And then you go do it. <sighs> but if you're going to doubt, doubt your doubts. Rebuke. If, so if you're prompted and then you say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's too, that's too weird. You can rebuke those things. You can rebuke those thoughts. No, yes, it is going to be awkward. I don't care. I'm going to be obedient. Jesus is my king. Fear is not. Here's a couple helpful hints to deal with your doubt. Number one, don't go alone. Jesus sent them out two by two. Uh, you're welcome to make this a family affair. Like, if you tell your kids, hey, we're going to pray for some sick people, they will remind you. <laughs> Even when you don't want to be, especially when you don't want to be reminded. And so if there's any kids in here, Tell your parents, anytime you see someone with a cast or on crutches or in a wheelchair, kids, tell your parents, hey, we should heal them, mom. Hey, dad, let's go pray for them. Okay, can you do that, kids? Both of the kids are like, no, I'm I'm coloring. Um, Don't go alone. Your kids can help you. Number two, ask for faith and ask for more faith. Ask for faith to move mountains. Ask for faith to walk on water. Ask daily. And number three, don't take yourself so seriously that you're unwilling to be made a fool. John Wimber used to say, I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? Now you may, you may have already pressed into some of this stuff or been burned or been disappointed. I know I've been disappointed a bunch, a bunch of times. I pray for people and they don't get healed. Um, you may say, I did this already last October. Didn't work. Not going to try again. Unfortunately, Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. That It's not a one-time thing. It's a continually ask, continually seek, continually knock. So if you've pressed in and been disappointed, here's round two. Let's go again. All right, I got another. I only have about 15 more pages here. I'm just kidding. 
there was a time that, I, that we really struggled with doubt uh, in our house. And we did the, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And so I, I fundraise for Urban Catalyst. We work with immigrants and refugees and show people God's love. And it's 100% support. And in 2015, I, I've told some of these stories before, but there's new ones. Like from two months ago. God is still doing crazy stuff. Uh, I got a text from my director saying, you don't have enough money for a full paycheck. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. So I ran up to the uh, prayer room at Houston's First and put my face on the ground. And I said, Lord, I'm nervous. What do you want me to know? And I heard Matthew 6, 33, which says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Like, don't worry about your provision. I'll take care of you. You just seek, seek the kingdom. I was like, okay, I can receive that. Anything else you want me to know? And I heard the word manna. And I was like, dang it. I know what that means. Daily bread? I don't really want daily bread. Can I have annual bread? <laughs> Monthly bread? And uh, so I, I was driving home. I was like, that, that's, a, that's good enough. I can, I can receive manna. So I'm driving home. And on the curb at the U-turn, there was a nothing on the curb on the whole underpass except an untouched loaf of Wonder Bread. And I was like, huh, that's weird. So I snapped a picture and kept driving. I got home, and I tell Meryl, heard manna, found bread. She's like, huh, that's weird. She goes and checks the mail, opens up some mail. She goes, huh, that's weird, because there's a check in the mail, unexpected check that gets us to the end of the month. Thanks, Lord. Right after we found bread and heard manna. But it only got us to the end of the month. So the next, get a text from my director. Hey, you better go pray again. So I go up to the prayer room, face on the ground. Lord, I'm nervous. And I heard, don't you know I feed the birds? I was like, oh yeah, another Matthew 6 reference. He takes care of the the birds. Okay, I can receive that. I'm driving on I-10 on a different place. I see someone has cut up bread and fed birds. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's weird. Snap a picture. I get home. Within 24 hours, we're taken care of. That has happened now 13 times. Where? <laughs> I'll go pray and get another bread reference. I'm like, surely you've got to be running out of bread references in the Bible. Like, <laughs> let's just do a, a concordance search. Bread, 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 bread. I'm, I'm almost there. So um, he keeps taking care of us. And that has filled us with so much faith <laughs> for the most part. It's not, not filled 100% with faith because we're still like, oh, uh, we're getting kind of, we need some bread, Lord. But honestly, at this point, it's kind of ridiculous for us to be nervous because there's been so many times where he's like, I'm with you, I have you. I'm, he's leading us through the desert. And I remember probably a year ago, maybe two years ago, I asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, are we always gonna be in the desert? Are we always just gonna get like, the bare necessities. And I had just been reading the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to the boys. 
And so in, the, in that story, you, you, you hear talk about Aslan, the, the lion, who is so majestic that sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve can't really even look at him in the face because it's too glorious. And anytime he speaks, they're at once filled with awe and wonder and dread and terror because he's so great. So I just finished the book. I went to go pray again because we were low. And I was like, Lord, are we always going to be in the desert and in the Aslan voice? And this, none of this is audible when I say I hear God's voice. It sounds exactly like my own thoughts in my head, but it says things that are different than what I think. And it's almost always scripture or in line with scripture. So it's never against scripture. So I heard, I was like, Lord, are we always going to be in the desert? And I heard, I am the bread and the wine. And it like was terrifying. And my face is already on the ground, but I was like crying. And I was like, what does that even mean? And he said, I will fill you. I will give you what you need. I'm the bread, but I'm also the wine. I'll make you warm. I'll satisfy you. Feast on me. And I will be everything that you could need and ever, ever ask for. All right. That, these kinds of crazy experiences, I mean, even two months ago, it's still happening. Meryl found a uh, Christmas tree at a store, and it was, they were selling ornaments in the shape of Wonder Bread. Like Wonder Bread ornaments. And so she bought one. And then we were taken care of in a single day, two months of income because God's taking care of us. Why am I telling you all this stuff? Jesus has stretched our faith because he wants us to run hard after him and to get others and bring them to him. So all of the, all, we, I tell all these stories to my rabbi friends and they're like, it sounds like there's a real problem with your fundraising. Like, no, I told them, no, this is the Lord. You went through the desert. God made you go into the desert and he made you dependent on manna because he wanted you dependent on him. This is the same thing. I'm just going through a, a different desert. And they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe. They're like, you should change your... <laughs> no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not gonna change the way I fundraise. I'm gonna go pray more and God's gonna take care of us and I'm not changing that. And I'm gonna keep praying for more people. So he's do, Jesus is doing this because he's stretching me. I want you to be equally stretched and freed. I know a lot of our unwillingness to go and take these risks is because we don't feel like we're free. That's really all I have. I got a bunch more stories, but I want to pray over us. Uh, how you feeling? Stretched? Okay. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, would you give us more faith in every area of our lives? Give us more faith for miracles, more faith in our evangelism, uh, more faith for our health. Not that we are always healthy, but we may be able to say to live is Christ and to die is gain. Give us more faith. Let us be fearless uh, in the face of pandemics 
and outbreaks because we know that you have used the church in world history to reach into pandemics and use that as a gospel opportunity because we are not afraid of death and people are more open to hearing the truth right now because the news keeps saying they're gonna die. Everyone's gonna die. Jesus, I pray that you would use uh, the coronavirus as a gospel opportunity that you'd bring tons of people into the kingdom because of the fear that the church is not operating in because that we are fearless. So make us fearless, Lord. Free us up. Give us more faith because we know it's impossible to please you without faith. Let us be like children. Let us be humble. Let us stay close to you. Let us be dependent. Let us listen and obey. Jesus, we know that the battle belongs to the Lord and you still allow us to play, not to strive. I pray that you would give this uh, particular body or this little church an outpouring of the gifts. Uh, give us words of knowledge, signs and wonders, miracles, healings, dreams, visions. Speak to us, Lord. We are yours and we yield to you and we love you and we need you. So all of this, Lord, everything that I've said, everything that that we've read today, I pray that all of it would go to the glory of your name because you are worthy. Help us, Lord. Let us win for the lamb the reward of your suffering. In Jesus' name, amen.